Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week, instead of jumping straight into the news, we have a special interview for you. We recently sat down with Wesley Backland, a Belgian cloud solution architect at Microsoft specializing in data and AI. Wesley was kind enough to share a bit more about his professional trajectory, as well as some tips on how you can gain new skills and become a self-made IT pro like him. Well, first of all, I just wanted to ask you a bit about your uh, trajectory um, and your career. What sort of path did you follow to end up being a, a cloud solutions architect at Microsoft? I'm what they call a self-made man, I guess. Um, okay. So I was actually going for, uh, well, I, I was studying, of course, uh, ICT or IT, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it was called back then. Um, but I had been doing some internship during my uh, my high school in, at a company. Um, and that's actually the company where I started working because, um, yeah, they um, they were looking for someone to, to help them and support them with software development. And because I had worked there as an intern, Actually, in the first year when I was studying, they asked me, like, hey, why don't you come work here? We can teach you everything. And there were some very um, uh, senior people, of course, working there already who uh, who knew everything uh, about uh, development and, and so on. And, yeah, it was a leap of faith as well, I guess. Um, turned out to be okay, uh, looking back. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I decided in that first year also because, I, to be honest, I think the educational system in, in Belgium was really not that strong on, on that level back then. Mm-hmm. So I was also kind of frustrated because I, I finished uh, high school and I was like, okay, now I'm going to go and study IT stuff. I'm going to learn how to program. And when I I got there, it, it turned out that there was really a lot of stuff that I had to do, which was completely unrelated to uh, actually IT. Yeah? So I had things like accounting, economics, uh, different languages uh, like uh, French, Dutch, uh, mm-hmm. English, uh, which is all super interesting, of course, but mm-hmm. I was like, okay, guys, but I'm here to learn how to develop, right? And then yep. even yep. then it was like old school stuff that we learned like COBOL and so on. So yeah, when I got that opportunity to yeah get hands-on, I was like, okay, let's let's do this. As in most small companies, uh, I guess that also meant I was the IT department more or less, uh, together with a, a couple of colleagues. But that meant that we also had to take care of, you know, networking, firewalls, uh, email, and also databases. Um, so I guess yeah, that was probably the first time where I started getting some interest into databases. Uh, we were using SQL Server 6.5 at the time. So it's uh, it's been a while. Uh, it was ninety yeah nineteen ninety seven um, yeah nineteen ninety seven. That's when I started. So yeah, um, that that was kind of the the start of it all. And I, I guess I was one of the first people in the team who started getting a little bit more interest into the database side of things instead of the 
the development part of the <laughs> of the the whole story. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, as time grew, I, I yeah I needed a new challenge uh, because, as I said, it was a rather small company, so I needed something new. Uh, and then I got into into outsourcing, um, just basically to get some, a bit more variation and 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 have some more. Uh, different uh, projects and, and customers and technologies to, to get in touch with. So I, I really like to learn. I like new stuff. So that was a great way for me to, to get into that world. And at a certain moment, there was an opportunity to uh, become a database architect in, uh, I guess, a large enterprise, as you would call it, in, in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And I gladly took it because I knew that they were um, hosting one of the most, at least transaction-intensive uh, environments on SQL Server back then, in in, in Belgium at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was for me a great learning opportunity, I thought, uh, which uh, had proven to be true, of course, because that yeah put me on, on the next level of, of focusing on, on data, database design, performance tuning. And, and yeah, right at that time, uh, they were also looking into new business intelligence solutions, and given my... Uh, my passion for data, let's say. Uh, I had been doing some reporting services work back then. Uh, together with a colleague, we implemented the first reporting solution there uh, based on, on reporting services. And that's how I got into contact basically with some uh, people at Microsoft. I figured that with this experience, uh, it was the right time for me to to apply at Microsoft uh, as they were looking for a new technical pre-sales uh, for their data MBI. Mm-hmm. Now, back then I was not really a bi specialist i was really much more focused on the database engine but i figured hey new stuff to learn fantastic so let's uh, let's take that leap mm-hmm. and actually it was the year where i also saw the first demo uh, of what was back then still uh, called red dog <laughs> which is now uh, known as azure mm-hmm. uh, on an internal event and yeah looking back it's really hard to imagine because it, it was like the early 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 days of, of azure and it Seeing that demo, it, it was still hard to grasp what cloud would actually mean uh, nowadays. So it, it was fun being there. Um, and uh, yeah, being at the birth of Azure, I could say that maybe put me into a nice position because I actually grew up with, with Azure uh, and, or together with Azure at Microsoft, mm-hmm. meaning that I was uh, blessed to, to be able to go through this whole cycle of, of innovation and new services coming up. And yeah, looking back at SQL Server 6.5 and what's keeping me awake at night uh, today is, is yeah, really amazing, I would say, because it's yeah. so far from that traditional database and where we are now. It's, uh, yeah, great fun, I would say. You mentioned how you love to learn, you mentioned how you love to push yourself to do new things. Obviously, all these new tools keep coming up. What are your learning tips? Like, what sort of resources and sites do you use? Or yep. sort of like you're continuing education. Um, so yeah, at Microsoft, there's there's actually a huge focus on on learning uh, nowadays. It's uh, really one of our core priorities to make sure that everyone is uh, is up to speed with our technology. And yeah, obviously, especially in our roles as a cloud solution architect, we need to be uh, ahead of the curve. I would say, uh, but but it's a broader concept. Like everyone at Microsoft needs to be. Uh, or have at least some part of technical knowledge and, and there's a strong push on that. Mm-hmm. So a large part of that learning is coming from uh, Microsoft Learn nowadays, um, which is actually open to everyone, by the way. So yep. I really would encourage everyone to to look at it because there's there's actually some, some great content um, mm-hmm. on this platform. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of, of 
blogs. Uh, I, I read a lot of blogs. Um, going from the official Microsoft blogs to some of the uh, the heroes in the industry uh, and so on. And mm-hmm. usually for me, that's the cue when, when whenever I see something pass on a on a blog post. Uh, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So how can I get my hands dirty? How can I learn this? For myself, at least what works best, I would say between quotes, I have some production-like pet project, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it could be something you just do at home, uh, but that where you uh, really try to have a, yeah, a scenario in, in mind. Huh? So because just playing with technology is one thing, but you only start to learn when you really have requirements, I believe. So yeah. Um, that's how I, because yeah, as I said, I started with Visual Basic and SQL Server, so I actually had uh, zero knowledge uh, about Linux. Mm-hmm. When I noticed hmm, this is becoming important, uh, what I did is uh, I had a, I obviously had a server running at home, which was running Windows Server, so I decided, okay, I'm going to make this a Linux server now, and that was before cloud, to be clear. So I was like, okay, let's... Let's use Linux. Let's start building RAID arrays and save my pictures and so on on a on, on a central server. And I broke the server several times. Luckily, I have backups. That's uh, that's experience. Huh? So, and I, I guess yeah, I think I had to reinstall it like three times uh, because I I, uh, I I basically did something wrong with permissions or whatever or with partitions in Linux, etc. So, but that's learning, right? Yeah. But you yeah, I, I I guess the point is you you need something which has like real requirements so that you challenge yourself to try new things, right? So, uh, and for me, that works best uh, is really getting my hands dirty with, with technology. Thank you, Wesley. You can follow Wesley's adventures on Twitter at Wesley Backland or on Wesley's blog, wesleybackland.wordpress.com. And now it's time to look back at the week in tech news. With the Manifesto for Agile Software Development turning 20 this year, industry insiders are looking back at the philosophy's two decades of existence and seeing how deeply embedded it actually is among the world's businesses. While most companies have fully bought into the idea of Agile and are on board with its values and principles, in most cases, the term Agile is still a buzzword rather than a true practice. According to experts, organizations often resort to Agile methodologies as a simple solution to accelerate their digital transformation projects. In doing so, they fail to implement the development framework as a holistic philosophy that ties IT with business objectives. Automated testing and deployment and rapid feedback loops have been widely adopted by industry players, but better value stream mapping and new business-oriented performance metrics will be needed if we are to unleash the full potential of Agile. Just like Warren Buffett, Tim Berners-Lee, aka the father of the World Wide Web, has made a habit out of sending an annual letter reflecting on the state of things, in this case, of the internet world. Last Friday, March 12th, marked the 30th anniversary of the web. And Berners-Lee, who has always been adamant about making the internet a more inclusive medium, turned his attention to issues like universal access to the internet, web-based environmental initiatives, and curving online abuse. According to Berners-Lee, the pandemic has accentuated the difference between the 2.2 billion young people who lack stable internet access and those who don't. But it is the web's hostility towards minorities what worries him the most. Yet despite his concern regarding the toxic internet, Berners-Lee is optimistic about our ability to make online forums a safer place. Specifically, he points towards big social media platforms as the ones who should be implementing the changes to make that happen. The way forward, he says, should be building social networks where bad things 
happen less. And finally, while quantum computing is the alternative to traditional computers that gets the most attention these days, it is definitely not the only kid in the block. Researchers are also exploring ways to make standard bit-based computation faster and more efficient. And we're not talking about cramming more transistors into a silicon chip. It's more about reinventing the traditional transistor altogether. After all, we don't need all future computers to be quantum. Faster traditional PCs should suffice for most tasks. Enter light-based computing. University of Cambridge scientists have discovered a way of making a material switch between glass and mirror with a short laser pulse. This type of optical switching is way faster than current computer switches, about a million times faster. It also consumes a fraction of the energy. Plus, the switch could be also applied to quantum computing. And that's all for this week. Make sure to check our blog for our newly published resources for IT pros. Also, feel free to share this podcast with anyone you think might find it interesting. And make sure to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just look up MindQuest Talent on LinkedIn or find us on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time.